what I started doing was I was going through Craigslist. I was networking at all the different RIA events. And I found a lot of people that stand up in front of the room and, and they're representing properties. Like they have this haves and wants section where you stand up, this is what I got, or this is what I'm looking for. And so I just noticed all these people. I was like, oh, they got all these properties that they can't sell. And so I just started approaching them and say, hey, I'm going to an event almost every single night this week. Can I make my own flyer with your property? And if I find a buyer, will you, will you pay me a referral fee? And they said, sure, of course. Like no one ever said no to that. Like you're gonna do all the work and fine. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. From Los Angeles, I'm your, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, it is a new year. It's 2018. It's going to be huge, and I'm so glad you've all tuned in, and hopefully you're going to learn from my incredible guests, and hopefully these guests are going to inspire you to go out and take massive amounts of action and take control of your life financially. This show is for anyone who wants to invest here in the United States in U.S. real estate, but also in business investing. And we're not talking just to international investors. We're talking to anyone who wants to get started here in the United States. As you know, I'm all about sharing the loyal, the knowledge with my loyal listeners. And there's absolutely no BS on this show straight into the nuts and bolts. You know where to find me. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Reed Goosens. You can also find these podcasts wherever you podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. But enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today in the show, I'm speaking with Matt Terrio. Matt's story began with the most unlikely of mentors, the grocery store manager. He shared with Matt the wisdom that real estate is the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating long-term wealth. He embraced it, he ran with it, and has never looked back. Now, as an accomplished real estate investor and a mentor, he has built a cash-flowing flow, cash portfolio, I should say, of over 100 units over the last 10 years, and he is enjoying his financial independence. He continues to build his portfolio and discuss discover new passions for creating systems and showing others how to replicate his results. I'm very excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get him out of here. G'day, Matt. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm very good, Reed. Thanks for having me. Mate, my pleasure. Hey, let's rewind the clock a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Take us all the way back to when you made your first ever dollar. And I'm not talking about when you made your first real estate dollar. I'm talking about what was mm -hmm. the first ever job that you had as a kid? Sure. Uh, well, if we go back all the way, it was the cliche lemonade stand. <laughs> I, I was that kid. Um, and I'm actually not sure what came first. Was it the lemonade or I would go to the store to buy the 10 cent candy, sell it for a quarter in the school. So it was one or the other, but that's where it began. Nice, nice, man. And how did you tell us a little bit more about your back? You, you, you start as a kid. You've always, have you always had an entrepreneurial drive to take control of your life? Did you go to college? Did you, you know, start out in the corporate world? And you know, how did you get into this thing called real estate investing? Sure. I guess in hindsight, I mean, no one really knew what entrepreneurial drive was when I was coming up and doing my thing. Um, but I guess so. I made a really terrible employee. I would always look at the, the business model. I, I, like, this is totally broken. I'd look at the boss like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. I could do this. And so I always had those thoughts every time I had a job. And so, yeah, I guess I do have a very entrepreneurial driven spirit. And, you know, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I spent the next I don't know, almost 15 years of my life in the music business. 
at a small little record label. We did uh, independent hip hop, and but I had major label distribution in the, in the last final few years. So we did really well. I mean, we had global distribution and you can sell a lot of, a lot of CDs. I don't know if too many people know what a CD is anymore, but uh, that's kind of, that's a hint as to why it's not around anymore. Cause when the digital download came along, it just, it changed the way that, uh, you know, consumers consume music. Right. And so when you have a bunch of CDs for sale and no one's buying CDs anymore and uh, you find yourself bankrupt, divorced, <laughs> poor, broken, lonely, really, really quickly. Right. Because at the time, we had no idea what was really happening. You know, it, in hindsight, it's crystal clear. It's like, okay, well, Napster came through and then iTunes picked up from there and it, the world has never been the same. But at the time when it was happening, you know, the independent music fan, whether it was independent rock or independent hip hop or independent dance, they're a little bit more tech savvy and they embraced that digital download before, you know, general population even knew what it was. Right. So, um, yeah, once that really hit, I would say within six months, we were completely out of business. And, and what followed shortly was all the music stores. There's no Virgin Music, there's no Music Plus, there's no Tower Records. All of the stores disappeared too. So I found myself at the age of 34, just having a seven-figure year previously, now working for $7 an hour bagging groceries. Wow. And so that was the rise and the fall. <laughs> now I'll tell you the rest of the story. Um, but after about six months of a real pity party, I was blaming everybody and everything on why I was there. Uh, I didn't have a clue as to why I was there. I couldn't figure out how this happened to me. I was very much a victim and I wasn't very fun to be around. But after about six months of bagging groceries, it'll start to humble you up eventually. And uh, there was one day where the grocery store manager who was also 34, so we had that age in common, life experience in common, and uh, he just kind of shared with me, Matt, if you really want your life back, if you want the money back, and he's the one who gave me that quote, and I've said it a million times since. He said, real estate, it's the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating real wealth. And he opened up his, he had a little notebook on his desk, and he opened this up, and he just kind of showed me his portfolio. He'd been there since, he'd been back in groceries since he was 16. Wow. So he'd been there for 18 years. He was only two years away from getting like 80% of his pension. And, but along the way, he'd been able to accumulate, I don't know, half a dozen apartment buildings. So when he was, when he, he had two more years to retire at 36, and he was going to have that 80% of that pension, and he was going to have cash flow from his apartment buildings, and he was going to live a better life in retirement than he was when he was right. working. And uh, that resonated with me. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have a plan B. I didn't know what else to do. Um, I did not prepare for the digital download right. to come along. And so I knew I had to learn something new. So I thought, well, if I'm going to learn something new and I want my lifestyle back, what's the thing I got to go learn that's going to give me the greatest possibility of making that sure. happen? I could imagine that. So, so many questions. Before we, before I dive into my questions, were you around where the mini disc was around? Did you remember that thing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I might be, I might be aging myself there, but I remember the mini disc came, I, yeah. I want to say it came to Australia for like a split second and then it was gone. And I thought, I thought, because it was CDs, yeah. you had your Walkman, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Cool, cool, mini discs," and it was like, "That's now gone." <laughs> right? Do you remember digital I audio do. tape? I do yeah. remember that. I, yeah, I think they, they were just before I, the I remember minidisc, having right? those big folders of CDs and flipping through them at school and going, "What, what CD can I? What CD can I trade you?" It's so funny. Right. But mate, I think right. thirty-four years of age, hitting rock bottom, rock, rock bottom, I should say. You know, the victim mentality that must have been a huge, just gut like it must have gutted you to come from seven figures having a successful business to bagging groceries like it's it's a I, I don't even I've never been there so I can't even just couldn't even put myself in your shoes but it might you must have felt pretty shitty to excuse the language 
Yes, very <laughs> shitty. <laughs> I'll emphasize that. There was a day where I was bagging groceries and my high school girlfriend was coming right. through the line to buy yep. groceries. That was, I wanted to run and hide, but there was nowhere to run. So I just said, hey, how you doing? Yep. Nice to see you. Hope yep. life is going well. It's great for me right now, as you can tell. So, but that was, that was, you know, pouring salt on the wound for sure. So the, the, where did you get started? Like, you know, you, you've had chat to your manager. Did he take you under your wing and say, like, this is how you do it. This is how you analyze a deal. This is where you find a deal. What was sort of that process to where you are today? No, I, I left his office and I thought about it for a second. And that night I, I grabbed a bottle of wine. I went home. It was just the wine, myself and Google. And I just started searching everything real estate. And, you know, really, I don't know if it's a coincidence or divine intervention, but I stumbled across an aunt that I hadn't talked to in probably 15 years. And she was the number one real estate agent just two cities over. And she'd been number one like there for 27 years. She was like a household name in that city. And so I just fired off an email saying, hey, you want to have lunch tomorrow? And so I had lunch with her the next day. I think I even called in sick to the store to have this lunch. And within 24 hours, I was enrolled in real estate agent school to get my real estate license. Um, I didn't know any better. I just thought that was the logical place to begin. Um, but it was sure better than $7 an hour, right? <laughs> I could imagine. So you, you you cut your teeth by the sound of it on, on get, becoming a real estate agent to learn the business to get your, you know, I guess, yeah. just get your feet wet at some point. So when was it when the first time you bought your first piece of real estate? Sure. Yeah, the, the, the pivotal one was after about four years of being an agent, and I had a pretty good run, but I had one client, I had a couple clients, but one in particular that gave me consistent business. He would just fax in the orders, and I just had to process, and I got paid. It was like a dream gig. It was a great relationship I had with him. And there was one specific day where he had, we had had a meeting. It was a Saturday morning. It was 10.30 a.m., and I was all dressed up in my suit and tie like I always was. I had the papers laid out on the, uh, on the table ready for his signature. He showed up probably 20 minutes late, and then uh, he showed up in jeans and a T-shirt. He signed the paperwork, and then he was off to enjoy his weekend, and I was there to process the paperwork and hold his house open. And that's where it kind of hit me, like, you know what? I think if this is the final frontier where all this wealth is made, I'm sitting on the wrong side of the desk, right? So I made a, a commitment, okay, 90 days, I am out of here. I'm not going to represent anybody else in their purchase or sales. I'm going to represent and buy and sell on my own behalf. And so uh, I found a, a good real estate investing course. I made a large investment in that. And so kind of the first thing that they told us to do was the driving for dollars method. That was the thing. It doesn't cost any money. It just takes a little bit of time. And you just go up and down the street and you look for dilapidated properties. And uh, I found one. It was a single family residence that looked like it was halfway through rehab, but it looked like it was abandoned. There was a phone number. I called. They said, yes, it's available. And I called my mentor. I said, what do I do now? And he says, write an offer. And I said, but I don't have the money. And he goes, don't worry about the money. Just get under contract. We'll take care of the rest later. Get it, get it secured. So I did. And I got it secured. And I said, okay, now what? <laughs> Smarty, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, he says, now let's calculate what the ROI is. And then let's decide how much you're willing to share with the money partner. And you're going to share this with your, your network. And that's kind of how it works. And I only had, I think, three conversations before I found a taker. And we partnered on the property. I got to keep 20% of the profit for myself because they did, they put all the money wow. in, they did all the work as well. And so that was my first deal. And I was like, I think that was a $26,000 check for my very first deal. That's how that came about. That's fantastic. And that was a flip deal? Yeah. It was a single family residence that we turned into a fourplex. Nice. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's all, it's so well and good to say like, you know, just go out there and make offers. But now in today's, 
and I, I'm going to I'm going to rewind it back. So you've you've got you've got your first deal done. How did you then scale it into the business you've got it today? Sure. Okay. So that was a, I would love to say it was a nice streamlined straight line, but it, but it was not. Uh, it was probably about eight months before I got my next deal, and, and twenty six thousand mm-hmm. dollars doesn't stretch very far. Not, not eight months for sure. So I had to figure out how to do all of this with, with just my blood, sweat, and tears, and my you know <laughs> my chutzpah. <laughs> so I um, what I started doing was I was going through Craigslist. I was networking at all the different RIA events. And I found a lot of people that stand up in front of the room and, and they're representing properties. Like they have this haves and wants section where you stand up, this is what I got, or this is what I'm looking for. And so I just noticed all these people. I was like, oh, they got all these properties that they can't sell. And so I just started approaching them and say, hey, I'm going to an event almost every single night this week. Can I make my own flyer with your property? And if I find a buyer, will you, um, will you pay me a referral fee? And they said, sure, of course. Like no one ever said no to that. Like you're gonna do all the work and fine. So I started doing that and I started, I had to do it because I needed to pay rent. So I did sell a few properties, but what it really did indirectly was it positioned me in the entire community is Matt, the guy who always has a deal, the guy who's always hustling, the guy who's always getting it done, the guy that's the real go-getter, right? Which I had no idea was happening in the background, but in hindsight, that's exactly what happened. And when you're that person, that attracts a lot of opportunity, attracts a lot of money. Um, it tracks buyers, sellers, lenders, partners. And so one by one, I just started partnering with people. And there was one person that came to me and he had, it was funny, before we were recording, we were just talking about the, you know, Illinois. And uh, he had 15, no, excuse me, he had 35 properties in Illinois. And he says, hey, you're out there. Do you think you can sell these? I said, sure, give me a shot. Give me a 90-day exclusive. And, and I was able to sell all 35 of them for him. And and I had a similar situation came up in Memphis and I did the same thing in Memphis and I built a really good team there. And I was like, wow, okay, I can do this, right? And so this started building teams and infrastructure and, and finding deals. Um, we call it like the two coasts, the West Coast and the East Coast is like the land of money and in the middle is the land of cheap <laughs> property, okay? So it's, uh, you know, people in, in uh, California who, you know, the median household price is, the purchase price probably five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars, and it's still not a very good neighborhood. Um, they can't believe that they can get a house as nice as theirs for seventy thousand in the Midwest, right? So that was a really easy sale, and it's spitting off you know double digit cash on cash returns. And so I just ran with that, and then slowly moved from market to market, building teams. Fantastic, and, and you, that's how you, it started. Hit a, I live in Los Angeles, obviously, but the Los Angeles market is like the Australian market and, and the Australian market is all, all the same. And that's why people come to the United States to get those double digit cash, cash and cash mm-hmm. returns because you have those two East and West coasts and you have a lot of right. cheap property in between. Uh, part of the reason why I do this show is to educate people on the benefits of investing here. Um, but I think you, you, you hit on two things I want to just quickly rewind. You made a name for yourself. And I think that's really important that as you're starting out, all those people who are listening to this show going, how do I even get started? You just literally within, and it, it's happen, It can happen very quickly, and it's happened to me as well. Is if you have a bit of drive and hustle, and a little bit of something different, you can quickly create a name for yourself, and that is something that people are then going to know you for, and it's going to attract more business. And all you did was just offer a bit of a service that yep. say, "Hey, I'm going to take your deal, put it on my logo or fly or whatever, and see how I go." And the, what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't sell any properties, right? right? You, you're already doing this thing. You go into all those real estate events and then through that, you've attracted more people. People want to work with you because you are a go-getter. And I think that's, uh, I just didn't want to brush over that because so many people are asking, well, how do I get started? 
boom. Yeah. There you go, just there. Uh, well, they you say, know, uh, so. Desperation is the mother of inspiration. So that's kind of how that came about. And I, I had no idea what I was creating on the back end. And what I've come to learn is like a lot of people that go to those events, you know, none of them have ever, most of them have never done anything. Nothing. Right. <laughs> and they're all just looking up at you like, wow, I want to do that. I want to be that guy. He's so amazing. So that's how most of the people are looking at you in that audience. Even if you've right, done exactly. one deal, like that's one more than half the audience, right? And you, you know why it's called a stage is because you're elevated above everyone else, and then you you look like some sort of god figure with the microphone. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So you built your systems. You've 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 you fallen. I want to say backwards into this 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 gig, which is fantastic. So, how did you then grow and scale your business into those different markets? And, and, and I forgot to ask, where are you actually based? I'm in Glendale, California, just north of Los Angeles. Oh, you yeah. are. Oh, right. We're just down oh, the road. Sweet. I thought you were, you know, on the other side of the globe when we started talking. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm here in Culver City. So, um, so how did you then create your systems from afar? Yeah. So we started. We had a formula. Like we were flipping these properties, right? And so we started, we came up with a formula. We recognized that, well, if we keep on flipping, we're going to have to flip forever if we want to keep the money coming in. But we started, we recognized pretty quickly, like we got to start holding these things and as many as we can to create that residual income. So our whole thing was, okay, we're going to flip five and hold one, flip five and hold one. And once we got that going, we we're going to flip four and hold one, flip four. And we got to three and two. And now it's, it's our intent to hold everything. Right? So mm -hmm. as you're doing that and you're active in the, in that market, you're meeting everybody. You're meeting realtors, you're meeting contractors, you're meeting uh, property managers, and you're creating those relationships. And you just, you have to hire somebody. So you kind of, you know, you're, I guess, indirectly interviewing people that to be a part of your team as you're hiring them for that one specific project. And that was just a model that worked for us. And so we continue right. to do that from market to market. And Matt, did you start your real estate investing career from Los Angeles? I did, yeah. So that's, again, for everyone who's listening out there who's on, on the fence about you know investing out of state and blah blah blah, it can be done. So I think that's that's a that's a I would love to get know a little bit oh. more about or pick your brain about how were the people that you're doing those flies for in the early days were they out of state properties as well? The people I was doing the what for? That that you you'd approach to get oh, yeah, the flies yeah. to then go around so, to all the real estate right. Uh, so the whole what well, I didn't even know what turnkey operation was at the time, but now I do. It's kind of it's commonly referred to as a turnkey where you buy the property, it's already fixed up, got a tenant in place, property management is already in place. So I was getting these properties from turnkey providers that were actually in the Midwest and the South, traveling out here to promote because they knew, they knew this is where all the buyers were. So yes, a lot of them were all Midwest and Southern properties and that just kind of became my specialty. Right, got it. And so have you now gone into buying your own distressed, doing it up, selling the turnkey to, to your clients here on the East and West Coast? Yeah, we sell to our clients, yes, that way. We will buy it, we'll Fantastic. fix it up. And we, we've gotten to a point where we've got a lot of different relationships in place and different amounts of leverage that we're able to access and I'm not talking about leveraging money. I'm talking about leveraging other people's resources and their, and their sweat and, you know, and their opportunities. And so we're able to be a, a facilitator of a lot of people in the Midwest and the South that are very successful, but they have a hard time cashing in on what they're successful with. Sure. So Matt, I'm, I'm walk, thinking of your business like a, a restaurant. I walk in, I look at the menu. There's some free stuff on the menu. There's some more expensive caviar and lobster. Do you want to walk us through you know, what people can do to, to find out more about what you do in, in your business? And sure. Like well, well, the free stuff is we've, we're going on our ninth year with our podcast. And 
Wow. It's Epic Real Estate Investing. So we're running that podcast weekly episode. We're now up to three episodes a week. Yeah, that's what we've, we've got really blessed with that. That was kind of an accident too that turned into quite the uh, the bounty. And uh, so we've been doing that. So that's the free stuff. And we don't hold anything back. We, we give everything away. We don't say, hey, uh, come to our event and we'll give you the rest of the secrets. We don't do anything like that. We're very giving, very transparent. And so that's the free stuff. Now we want caviar and lobster. <laughs> Yep, let's Those do it. Chef and Jeff, baby. Let's talk about the hors d'oeuvres, maybe. Uh, <laughs> okay, hors d'oeuvres. Go okay. for the hors d'oeuvres. So we have a um, do-it-yourself service where we have an educational platform. It's behind a membership website, and we've got everything you need to know pre-recorded in there, and you can learn at your own pace. and And that's really easy to access. It's a thousand dollars for the year. So there's our there's our hors d'oeuvre, and then uh, we have a do it with you service. So that's our turnkey operation that we we put together. That's cash flow savvy. And you get to work with Mercedes and Mercedes will hold your hand through the whole process. You call the shots. You're still the boss. You're still the owner, but uh, you get to leverage all of our resources. We'll do all the heavy lifting while you get to enjoy the benefits after you own the property. And then, and then we have a, a done for you service where we have a fund now for accredited investors where they can come and basically buy shares of our own operation, our own investment portfolio and in, in the work that we do there. So yeah, that's kind of the escalation of a, of a, Menu items, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, one of the things that I've I love talking about in 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 hearing what you've just stated is the systems and 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 the ecosystems that you've created around your business, the podcast to the the free stuff to the you know the one year you know mm-hmm. mentorship program and to get deeper and deeper and deeper. So, what has come out of you know you started way back then, you know, pitching flyers to different people at different real estate events to starting the podcast. Looking back. What has been the most successful system or ecosystem you've created in your business to date? Um, I think the podcast, you know, um, there's a saying that says those who educate the market dominate the market. Uh, Position Mm -hmm. yourself as a position of authority as, as an expert, you know, whatever that means, whatever that means. Exactly. (laughs) But I mean, you've got people that listening to you that know more than you and you got people that listen to you that know less than you. So the people that know less than you, they, you know more than them, right? So you are, you know, the mm-hmm. default expert. So, right. And the reason being is because Mercedes, my wife and I, when we started doing this, before we had the podcast, we held events. We started our own little real estate meetups. And we would have, we had everything broken up into segments. So we'd have a little education piece. Then we'd have a has and wants section. Then we'd help people facilitate like, okay, this is how you can sharpen up your pitch and how you can actually make value of this time that you have here tonight because you left your family and your way. Let's, let's make some money, right? So- we went through that and just kind of showed them how to do that. And through that constant education, you know, people just kind of started uh, asking us, can you just do it for me? That was a, a recurring theme. But the point being, the hardest part of that whole process was getting butts in the seats to get people there. Right. I mean, some nights we'd have two or three people. And sometimes on a good night, we'd have 20 or 30. But that was a lot of work to get that many people there. When we launched Mm -hmm. our first podcast episode and we woke up in the morning and checked the stats and we had 100 downloads and that was like, do you know how hard we'd have to work to get 100 (laughs) pairs of ears on what we got to say? And so that's, uh, and here we are 10 million downloads later, uh, 200,000 a month. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, that has been the magic is that, you know, with the technology and just the advancement of the internet and everything that's available. Gosh. It's, 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 it's quite ironic that you've gone from an industry in music where you had a physical product that was outdone. It, it was outdone. You went mm-hmm. to bagging groceries to now 
your biggest system in in your business is the podcast, which is yeah. huge. You're leveraging iTunes, you're leveraging all the platforms and stuff like that. I think that it's it's sort of gone 360, right? Yeah, no one's ever pointed that out to me, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt, with all your knowledge, what's the biggest piece of advice for people out there looking to an, either invest here in the United States or looking to just get started? They're, they're an American investor, they just want to get started. They may be even based here because I think some of the biggest mental blocks people have of buying their first deal out of state is like, I can't touch and feel it, right? I can't go past if there's a broken toilet. Um, so what, how do you, how would you educate those people to get over that fear, so to speak? Mm -hmm. I think the, what's probably the most important aspect is to understand that this is a people business, right? Mm -hmm. Every piece of real estate you buy or sell is going to be from or to another person. So that's where the magic happens is within people. I think a lot of people get stuck because they try to do everything without talking to anybody. And, you know, and it, that's, that's a really tough route to travel. So I think being really intentional about creating your environment with people that are doing what you want to do, I think that that's a, that's a biggie. And, you know, kind of how peer pressure works in high school, you know, it's kind of a negative, has a negative connotation. It forces you to do dumb things, right? You're following the crowd and, you know, you're doing dumb stuff. Uh, but it works the same way when you're around a positive crowd when you're around a successful crowd that peer pressure it forces you pulls you into action so I think that's a good thing is to be intentional about creating your environment and I would say inside of that environment become a person of value like be a giver right um, provide value to all those people that are in there and you'll find that the relationships you create that way and the resources that come available to you like it's, it just starts to open up. I've got a, a saying that I always say that there's a, you know, travel as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll see further. <laughs> so I think that's, a, that's a really, I don't know, I dare say easy way to get involved, even if you have no idea what you're doing. Right. You, know, you no, find out what other people want and see how you can facilitate that and give it to them. Yeah. I think be becoming, be becoming a person of value, I, I say on the show, becoming a person of influence, a key person of influence, right? And that's the same thing as what you're doing. You're providing value to people. But I guess being intentional with creating your environments and creating and surrounding yourself with like-minded people who can help you be successful in the ultimate in the long run. And, mm -hmm. you know, everyone who's sitting out there listening, who are on the fence, who may be investing, don't want to invest out of state because they can't touch or feel it. Matt's an example of, of, of doing it, getting off his ass and actually doing it and getting off the couch and making it happen and just, just learning how to do it because we live in a digital age where information is free and getting on a plane to travel to Kansas City or Missouri or wherever the hell you're going to go. It's it's easy. It's it's actually yeah. not as hard as you think. And and it's right. and it's and it, the only thing that keeps us holding us back is the fact that we can't break the shackles of what we maybe been thought or taught or you know have you know entrenched in the way we were brought up. Mm -hmm. um, Matt, I do like to end the show. I know you're you're a very busy man. I don't want to keep, want to keep you for too long. You're feeling a little bit under the weather today, so I do like to end the show with giving uh, our listeners the top five investing tips. You want to get into it? Oh wow. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Daily habit is stay on track. Do you do anything in particular? You, are you a, a meditator? Do you, do you journal? Do you do anything like that that help you start your day? Yeah, I mean, I get up, I walk downstairs, I have a cup of coffee. As soon as I get the squinchiness out of my eyes, I'll make my way to the gym and uh, I'll do that. And then uh, I come to the office and I just kind of look at what's, what's on the to-do list today. Right. Don't have I don't have a regimen. I know there's a lot that's been really popular lately. Sure. People having protocol and how do you start your morning? And 
You know, there's one book that the guy just gave me. Let you bring this up. Yeah, I just got this like two days ago, The Miracle Morning. Yep, yep. And it's the, uh, the six habits that will transform your life before 8 a.m. So <laughs> I guess this is something I should probably read. <laughs> it's a good doorstop until then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it looks good. It makes good background. It's nice and colorful back there. <laughs> Mate, who's been the most influential person in your career today? I don't know. Mate, you may already, we may have already spoken about him, but, but is there anyone else that we haven't spoken about? Um, I think the... Uh, Obviously, and it's a common answer. The, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, was extremely transformational as far as just changing my mindset. You know, once I shifted my focus from saving piles of cash to creating streams of cash, just that one little mindset shift has changed everything. So I think that's a biggie. Um, there's another book called uh, the, the Slight Edge. Mm-hmm. That's been really good. And I've been fortunate enough to interview both of those guys on my podcast. They've been wow. very impactful. Right. And the Slight Edge, I think, is, the, is a really good companion book for your other favorite book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and The Slight Edge together, like, you can cause miracles. <laughs> well, that's what inspired right? me to move halfway across the world to start chasing a dream here in the United States was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. if I can do it coming from Australia, anyone else can do it. <laughs> uh-huh. so. Yeah, he gets, a lot of, he gets a lot of credit. And then there was... I had one mentor and it was actually wasn't a real estate guy. He was a, a guy in a, in a direct sales company mm-hmm. I was into for about a month or excuse me, about a year, about 12 months. And I really got to hang out with him and be in his aura and really see what work on a daily basis looks like. Mm-hmm. And it just, after spending that year of seeing what that work was like, okay, you got to pick up the phone and talk to a certain number of people. You got got to um, set a certain number of appointments. You got to set a certain number of, or excuse me, send us a certain number of personal handwritten thank you notes. And then you have to go and you have to um, run a certain amount of appointments. And then you have to close a certain number of sales. And like, he just kept a tally of that. And he was like a robot on a daily basis. And really after going through that process with him, I was like, wow, this is, no one ever showed me what actually work looks like, what success works cool. like. And it really made me after that year experience with that guy, his name's Stephen Gregg. Um, I'll give him some credit. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he made me feel like I could do anything. I was like, okay, I just need to apply what I learned with him to whatever else I want to do. So that he was very fantastic. It's always great to have mentors and books and things that inspire you. And I, I know that mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a, it goes back to what you said before, surrounding yourself with people that, you know, are, are different to what your current scenario is. And, and I think you're, you're a testament to doing that. Mate, you have a cracking online business. What is the most influential tool in your business? Now, it could be both digital or physical. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, I think something that's really streamlined my business with my yep. team um, and overseas and here stateside and with my clients is that uh, little free app on your phone called Voxer. Voxer, okay. What is it? B-O-X-T-R. And it works like a walkie-talkie. So I don't, I don't text anymore. I don't do voice to text anymore. I just record it and send it. And it, and it works like a text message. And that has been just super efficient. I can communicate with my whole team just like this, get things off my mind, delegate it to somebody else. It's, that's been a game changer, I'd say, the last Fantastic. two years. I'm going to have to download that Voxer. Love it. Uh, mate, what has been the biggest failure in your career to date? And what did you learn from that failure? The biggest failure... Uh, when I, I would say when I went from single families and got a little bored with that, we got up to, you know, a couple hundred units of single families and I was like, okay, let's try a new asset class. And 
I went into multifamily thinking that was like, okay, it's a 40 unit building. It's like 40 houses. How difficult could it be? And I went in there recognizing that's a totally different right. business. It's, it's almost a business within a business. And I fell flat on my face doing that. <laughs> and so I actually, I mean, that was what, probably six or seven years ago. And I just got clear of the, all the multifamily purchases I made about six wow. months ago. So it was, it was a long haul and it, it sucked a lot of money out of my pocket and I just didn't know what I was doing. So I would say, uh, uh, that biggest thing was go deep into something before you go wide. Yep. You know what I mean? So I, I should have started with like a 10 unit building and just really dialed that in rather than buying a 50 unit, a 44 unit and a 14 unit all within the same right. three month period. Right. And then trying, well, one's good. Three's <laughs> better. Right. And that just trying to run that from afar was, didn't work it didn't out. work out. Got it. Got it. Mate, uh, are you working with any international investors at the moment? Um, and, and also where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Sure. I actually have people from Australia in, in our, uh, in our pipeline. Well, is that appropriate to say pipeline? Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> fine. From us. Um, and uh, Jerusalem seems to be a big country for us for some reason. I don't know how they found us, but um, yes, foreign Fantastic. investors, yes. Um, they can, you know, if you plug into the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast so they're listening to you, they obviously consume this stuff. Um, come over and listen to me. And if you like what I got to say, great. We can, you can reach out and we can take the next step. And if you don't like what I say, then uh, you can go back to read. <laughs> Well, mate, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I want to just quickly summarize some of the, the good takeaway pieces of advice that uh, advice that you gave to people. And I think it, the biggest thing is being really intentional with your with creating your business and, and being intentional with getting started. I think that is what what stops a lot of people getting off off the ground is just taking action. But being intentional about taking your action, and I think being consistent. You know, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't touch a lot on on your consistency, but I could hear from just your story that you know you are a consistent type of guy. You're a hustler. You, 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 you went out and tried to make things happen. You've created a name for yourself out of nothing. You had no experience and all you were doing was just helping other people sell properties uh, and you were just hustling around to different rear events. And, and I think another one is become a person of value or a key person of influence. I think that's huge, hugely important for your, for your business, uh, for the person that you are, creating value and then getting people into the pipeline to hopefully that one day you can do business with them in the future. So yeah, did it. Right. Right. Some of them exactly. are good. Some of them aren't. Exactly. It's a two-way street, right? Yep. You can't. You can't always. You can't always work with all the investors. But did I leave anything out? Um, you know, I think the one thing is that will transform everybody, and it's really a difficult thing for people to grasp. Logically, they can grasp it, but it's difficult to correlate the action to back it up, and that is shifting your mindset from saving piles of money. We're all really think like we just need a lot of money in the bank and that's how we're going to feel comfortable and sleep at night. And it's really the wrong way to go. It's a much slower path to go. So just shift your mindset, do this one thing, one time, shift your mindset from saving piles of cash to creating streams of cash. Try to create that residual income in whatever you do, whether it's real estate or something else. When that, when there's an exchange of money about to, to take place, ask yourself, how can I turn this into a stream? That is just, you know, I'm here in a sweatshirt and my whole team is out there and they're all dressed up and and um, I'm like I run the show here and it's all because I have the power to do that I have the flexibility to do that I have the comfort to do that and uh, it's all about building that pile or that stream of cash even myself when I bought my first ever property here in the United States I was like 
putting my $50,000 down that I'd saved over the last three years, it was like a big step. It's like, how am I going to get access to that really quickly? But it produced a stream of cash, as you said, that mm-hmm. I could then go and do another deal or create you know, residual income that I can start replacing my, my actual income from my day job, which it was seven years ago. So it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, mate, I want yeah. to thank you so much thank for you. dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Well, there you have it, another cracking episode jam-packed with some awesome actionable steps and advice. Please go over to my website, readgoosens.com. I have all the links to Matt's website, Epic Real Estate, and check out his podcast if you want to learn a little bit more about turnkey rentals um, because that's what he does. Thanks again for taking some time to tune in today because it's all all about sharing the knowledge and creating longer financial IQ and financial freedom on this show. We're going to do this all again next week, so take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.